0: Token. This is episode 28, July 29th, 2016, with your host, Nick Token. Thank you all for listening. Today, you're not going to hear much of me today. Today, we are presenting the Canna Warriors of Fairbanks. Uh, they went up in front of their masters in form of the borough assembly and spoke rationally, eloquently, uh, pointed out so many great points uh what a great job they did what i what i've done to the edited parts i've taken out a lot of people's names just because i don't know if they want their name on here so i did i left brandon Emmett. his name should be out there as um one of the seats of the cc uh, b board we have uh, dan peters owner of good sense he's been on the show before so we're gonna keep that rolling. That's fine. Frank Turney, going to keep his name in there. Uh, I I don't know if you keep his name out of that. But uh, so from there, I'm just going to get right into it. Let's, the whole thing about last night is on-site consumption. There's four licenses that have been passed through ballot measure two in Alaska. We've got our cultivation, our manufacturing, our retail, and our testing license. People of Alaska want to have on-site consumption. The way the CCB board worked around that is they added an endorsement onto the retail. You don't necessarily have to have a retail place to have the on-site consumption. It could just be on-site consumption. You just have to have the retail license. That's kind of the way I I feel like they were trying to hit THC Club a little bit and, and Potluck and Green Rush. They were trying to make them get retail licenses. That's kind of how I felt it was going, but it's kind of going a different way, I guess. So from that, we have an ordinance put up by um, Guy Satley and Diane Hutchison, where they are going to be banning. They want to ban on-site consumption in the North Star Borough. So last night was public hearing. They were supposed to vote on it last night, but it is delayed, I am supposing, until next meeting. Let's hear what the actual ordinance is. Let's go to that.
1: This ordinance um, did not allow the on-site consumption in the original initiative
2: passed and the statements we were contemplating when we did our zoning and Mr. Savvy and Miller were more into this. Um, On-site consumption was not part of that equation. Uh, I had you, had the folks send you last week a couple of studies that talked about marijuana intoxication and gave cautions regarding marijuana and driving. Um, I read some of the statistics last year, and you all have copies of that, so I won't read them again. So basically, um, I just feel that it's important that, especially since the state hasn't delineated between a retail license different than what we had been talking about, that we not pass on-site consumption,
3: and all um, of Well, given the hour and the fact that I rambled on last week at the work session, and I think almost all of them are here except Ms. Dodge, um, Diane referred to it at the beginning, but we started working on our buffer zone radiuses. Um, before the state board got around to doing this uh, very strange on-site consumption thing, as as an addition to the retail licenses, so we did we did buffer zones for retail thinking. At least I certainly did uh, thinking that retail meant a shop with a counter, some counters, and normal business hours. People bought stuff and went away. Um, it's only after we did those buffer zones that the state came in and uh, added the uh, on-site consumption option. Um, And so I don't (laughs) think we were considering on-site consumption when we set up those 200-foot, 500-foot buffered zones. Um, And also, as I said last week, as far as notification of the neighbors, um, I think it's it's a problem if you were in the outlying areas. And it, oh, it, apparently HB 75 has been signed. Uh, the news rep uh, told me that it's actually been signed today. It was the last possible day, apparently. Um, it's been signed so that, I'm told, uh, makes this effective only outside the cities of Fairbanks and North Pole, so it's called non-area-wide. Um, if you're out there in the non-area-wide area, As a neighbor, I think you would view differently a retail establishment uh, with counters and normal business hours. Uh, you view that differently from an on-site consumption venue. And I think that if we had to do it all over again, or if we have to revise it, uh, if this doesn't pass, uh, I think we need to uh, provide that if if somebody wants an on-site consumption venue out. In EU or some of the rural areas, um, we need to provide for a conditional use permit and, a, uh, and, a, and a, some notification of the neighbors and hearing before the planning commission, um, specifically for the on site consumption part of it. Um, if this should pass, it only affects the on site consumption part, not the retail part. Um, uh, so that the retail. The normal, what I've described as retail, could continue. It's just not
0: the consumption. Did you guys hear that? I got this feeling that Guy Sattley was preparing everybody. He's like, even though we're taking the on site like consumption, don't, it doesn't mean we're getting rid of the retail. Right? Mm, I don't know. Now, I'm not going to be putting these in the order that they appeared last night. I've kind of grouped them up a little bit, like I was saying earlier. <clears throat> I'm going to start off with Brandon Emmett. One of the things I want to point out about this, when he first walked up there, they were not giving him the respect that he deserves as having as much knowledge as he does in the position he holds. Which brings me to the fact that only one of them, I think, on the assembly knew who he was, Van Lawrence. He pointed it out. Then once Van Lawrence points out that uh, Brandon is on the CCC board, Uh, everyone kind of sits up forward like, whoa, I actually have to listen to this guy or maybe he has something I want to hear. Brandon stays on for a, um, a while explaining things. And as he's explaining things, I'm kept wondering, why has the assembly not listened to these meetings? They are making giant decisions on a huge new industry. They could be listening to these same meetings that we all have been listening to. It's not too hard to dial in on the phone and listen to it. Um, I understand there's a lot going on, but this this seems to be huge. I know it's the biggest thing in my life, but it should be something that they are looking into other than finding phony facts and information. So uh, here's Brandon, one of the industry seats from the CCB board.
4: Hello. My name is Brandon Emmett, I live at 1299 Low Bush Lane, Fairbanks, Alaska, 99709, <coughs> so I, I will uh, save some time here and, and not uh, repeat some of the, uh, the arguments that have made by, by fellows, but it was the intent of the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, to regulate like alcohol. They, they had both consumption venues and tourist revenues in mind. And I'd like to provide you guys with, with some information. It, it seems that the intent of this ordinance is to protect people, and, and so I, I commend you for that. Um, but I would like to provide some information uh, about stone driving or marijuana DUI, and I've got some both some subjective and, and objective information. Subjectively, before I became a marijuana activist, I was a, a 911 firefighter paramedic, full-time paid. I did it for almost 10 years. Uh, I've got friends now who, uh, who still do it. They work for the, the Anchorage Fire Department. And in that time, uh, we just did not see those fears realized uh, about individuals getting in fatality or high mortality crashes, morbidity crashes from marijuana consumption. I've asked some of my friends uh, down in Anchorage at Station 1 if, if they've seen any problems arise from the uh, <clears throat> the marijuana club there, and they, they laugh. They actually say, well, we wish more people that were intoxicated in alcohol would just go and hang out at that club. So, so that's my subjective information. Objectively, we can look to Colorado, which has these unregulated clubs. And in fact, the reason the Marijuana Control Board designed Uh, regulated retail facilities uh, was to address the issue of unregulated clubs uh, where we don't really know what's going on there and what Colorado has seen with these you know hundreds of of unregulated clubs is an actual a a downturn in the number of traffic fatalities so in the last 14 years of data provided by the Colorado uh, Department of Transportation the last handful of years have actually shown the lowest number of traffic fatalities and so if you were to quantify that data and put a <clears throat> um, put a, uh, a comparison to the number of individuals consuming cannabis and the amount of DUI crashes if it was statistically significant you would at least see a flat line or potentially a slight uptick uh, you would you would not see a decrease in these crashes so, um, given the, the scientific data available, it is very you know tough, almost impossible to argue that marijuana clubs or on-site retail establishments would lead to an increase in marijuana DUI or marijuana DUI fatalities. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Any questions? Um, Mr. Abbott, you're you're on the
5: Marijuana Control Board?
4: Yes, sir,
5: I am. And has the board uh, considered regulations
4: regarding on-site consumption? Yes, we have. So the the Marijuana Control Board uh, has a draft regulation out now for public comment uh, that uh, not only considers on-site consumption, but also has parameters for how those businesses
5: uh, must operate. Could you give us some examples? I mean, I realize these proposed regulations haven't been adopted do, do, do these regulations address the? I know I have a expressed serious concern about secondhand smoke. Uh, people, employees being exposed to secondhand smoke. The do, do these proposed regulations address that issue? Yes, they do. in
4: fact, there's actually a specific section in that regulation that states in the operating plan that the establishment must have uh, adequate ventilation. There's actually some proposed. Um, amendments to um, to that language to, to actually specify what that ventilation requirement must be. Uh, but currently it is in the language that's available that says that they do have to have adequate ventilation within the operating plan.
5: And do these regulations uh, address the amount of, of marijuana that can be consumed at one of these on-site
4: they, they do, actually. In fact, there there are limits set for um, <clears throat> flour, concentrate, and edibles uh, which can be purchased on-site. Uh, there are also regulations that state that uh, the individuals who are providing the marijuana for the consumers have to have a marijuana handler's card. That's very similar to uh, a TAPS or a TAMS card, uh, which is, is specific in educating those those individuals in what marijuana intoxication is, how to recognize it, uh, and and how to um, encourage people to responsibly consume.
5: One more question. You mentioned, you cited a statistic, and I, it's getting late, I think it was in Colorado, about the number, of, maybe it's the number of fatalities in automobile accidents or the number of accidents, but that, that they had drifted, that, that the number had, had gone down since uh, marijuana was, was legalized in, in, in Colorado that that's true and, and
4: so there's there's now four years of data and all four years have shown a downtrend in the number of, of total fatality crashes uh, and in the number of alcohol DUI fatality crashes
5: in that state and could that be attributable to the fact that more people you know people are smoking rather than drinking
4: alcohol? I I think it could be. um, Marijuana is shown to be a drug of substitute, not one of excess. And although uh, not alcohol, there is data that's been provided by the Washington and Colorado Departments of Health, uh, as well as a couple other states that have medicinal marijuana, that has shown that since marijuana was legalized uh, for either medical or recreational use, that there has been an across the board 25% decrease in opioid overdose. Uh, and, and so that is, is direct scientific data that supports the assertion that marijuana is substituted uh, for more dangerous
3: substances. Thank you. Mr. Selle. Yeah, well that's an interesting Statistic, are you in one of the two industry seats on the board, or one of the others? I,
4: I am, yes. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I represent the marijuana industry in the state of Alaska Marijuana Control Board. Okay. I guess as a disclaimer, I'm I'm not here representing the Marijuana Control Board. I didn't say that at that start. It's getting late, but uh, I'm
3: I'm here as a concerned citizen. Sure, that's fine. Uh, I think it's a question. It is, yes. Thank you. Can you um, can you give me some insight as to why the on-site consumption business got appended to, you got four kinds of licenses, growing, manufacturing, manufacturing, testing, and uh, retail. And you appended on-site consumption to retail as a little hang-on $1,000 deal. Why didn't you make a fifth kind of license? Because I mean, on the surface, to me, it doesn't make any sense that you got
4: retail and you got unsafe consumption. Why not just make it another kind of license? That's a good question. And uh, per Alaska law, we could not actually create another license type. The, the Marijuana Control Board um, has the authority to create regulation but not legislation and so... You were bound by what had already been we, Yes, exactly. We were bound by the voter initiative, which cannot be amended until 2017, and, and thus can only be amended by the legislature or by powers granted to the Marijuana Control board by the legislature. So when when this was being cooked up originally, um,
3: <coughs> were they talking about on-site consumption as part of retail, or did they sort of hang that on at the end of the process? So, so that that came about the discussion actually
4: happened early on uh, It took quite some time to, to get the regulation hammered out uh, and to get a determination from the Department of Law as to where our authority to create uh, these hanger on sort of regulations lie but the the question had been there because Alaska is one of the first states where we're not the first, you know, we we've got the benefit of being the third state, and so we looked at states like Washington and specifically Colorado, and had seen that that they have all of these unregulated clubs, and so marijuana consumption happens at these clubs. And so there uh, there's a marijuana club in Anchorage, and so there was actually a couple back and forth votes uh, on the marijuana control board to try to regulate this club. It was the determination of the Department of Law that the Marijuana Control Board had no authority over these clubs, and so the to get authority, you hooked it onto retail. Is that, I'm so, so yes, to to be, to be able, yeah, to to be able to address the issue of these clubs, we created the on-site consumption endorsement, and so this actually gives us the ability to to not only know what's going on in these clubs, but to um, make a decision as to their time, place, manner of operation, that sort of thing. And so, even though this this may seem like a, a deviation, or or you know, as some you know media outlets have posted that this is, is kind of a, a new wild thing, um, it is it is my opinion, um, and it was a termination of the board that the way to address consumption in general is to have a well-regulated industry that accepts that this happens and that it needs to be addressed. O- otherwise, you you have multiple clubs operating in these gray areas and then you have states like Colorado who are just now catching up and saying, oh
3: my gosh, what do we do about the okay, clubs? One, one more little piece of it, John. He's giving me a lot of, lot of yeah. Uh, right now, correct me if I'm wrong, right now this stuff is out for a 30-day uh, comment period? Is that what's happening? It, it is, yeah. So how much of it is at issue or how much of it is in flux? In other words, how much is the board? 30 days of comment, and then the board looks at the comments or your attorney looks at the comments and suggests that, tinkering with the rules? So it's, it's the board's duty to look at the comments
4: as they, they come in, but yeah, there was a an amendment that was proposed that was deemed to potentially significantly change the parameters that these clubs are operating in, so it had to go out for public comment again. But aside from one section of that regulation, most of the the regulations surrounding uh, these establishments is, is pretty set. I don't see any Further amendments coming for that, uh, but the one section that actually pertained to uh, assigning limits to the amount that can be consumed or, or purchased at once uh, was uh, was amended. So that went out
3: for people can for take time. it away now. Before before it was, they had to consume it all there or end it back. Yes. Yeah, so so before, and, and
4: and forgive me, it is, it is getting late. I bought the. Uh, the, the intent a little bit, but before it was that someone could, could go in, purchase a set amount of marijuana, and it, that was, it was a, a transaction limit,
6: right?
4: Yeah, consume it, and then anything that they didn't consume, they they had to leave there. It was it was separate. Now uh, the the amendment. And, uh, so uh we up. um is that someone off. could could purchase marijuana in the the retail establishment and then the sort of in the, in the That's idea great. of kind of a, a, a tasting room they can sample some of it and then they can package what they had purchased and and leave with it uh, so long as it's in a, a a child resistant container and and so that is that particular section is is what's out for public the, oh, the cha- those changes. Hmm.
3: But no big change to the unsafe consumption. No, no of big no. change no. To, to the, the oh. bowl in there. Beautiful. been great.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, who we're going to hear from is Dan Peters from Good Sense. He's been fired up the last couple of days since his debacle with the city council. Um, I, you know, we all wish they had their things straight. Hopefully we will get things straightened out even quicker than we thought before. Got some things in the background working, but we shall see. After Dan, we're going to have Frank Turney. He brought some enjoyment to the night, inviting Lance Roberts out for a bowl smoking later. Uh, Lance kind of smiled. Um, Lance could at least try it. It's legal. Understand what you're, um... Voting against and saying what's so bad—it's not Reefer Madness. Here comes Dan. Daniel
7: Peters, twenty-seven fifty Parkway, North Pole, uh, 705 seven oh five. I'm the owner of Good Sense LLC. I just want to touch on a few things that uh, have only just been mentioned a little bit, and I'll uh, try to skip the stuff that's really been talked about. So, uh, number one. Uh, People with children and other sensitive individuals—you know—they can't handle smoke in their environment. With elderly folks in their home and stuff, they need a place to go. What are they going to do? Go in the bathroom? Hang out? You know, so they got to go somewhere. Uh, We got uh, people here that go to the bars. They get alcohol. They go there to get to socialize. You know, they're not going there to buy their alcohol. It's just cannabis consumers are going to be that way too. Uh, Revenue, for one. With uh, four main license types available, uh, entrepreneurs banning you know if you ban on-site consumption, that's going to reduce potential revenue for all four legal businesses. If you think about it, and you know as a whole, they're trying to sell marijuana to make money. And if you're banning this on-site consumption, which is taking their legal marijuana into their place of business or your own, if it's yours retail spot, you're you're denying them the potential revenue source. Now, uh, you think about the trickle-down effect that happens with that kind of thing, and people go out and spend that money on, uh, you know, food and drinks and uh, whatever else they might go and do. That's uh, somebody's wage you're taking. You're taking uh, their tips. You know, there's plenty of stuff that's going to go wrong when you start doing this kind of cuts, you know, to job creation. And uh, we also have a problem with people who live in apartments and rented uh, houses, tenants within their homes may not have a legal place to exercise their right to the same freedom and liberty that property has. You know, we're talking about people who should probably enjoy the same things equally, but they've gotten nowhere to go because their landlord says, hey, I don't like this in my house that you're renting from me. Even though it's your home. So, I don't think that's right. And, uh, <clears throat> taxes, you know, this is a big one for you guys probably, because revenue that's created by cannabis businesses, it's going to be a quality resource. It's uh, you know not just for real, state, city, all that's going to take money to run, you know, and why not? So uh, banning on-tax site consumption, it's only going to reduce that revenue and, uh, you know, basically by limiting the sales. So uh, <clears throat> in conclusion, I just want you guys to use your know, good sense when you're making these decisions to ban this fledgling business, and uh, <clears throat> give it a chance. You know, in a year from now, we can revisit it and come back and say, hey, we don't like this. Things have been going wrong. We've got evidence to support that. We don't have that evidence right now. So, thanks. Oh, can I just finish one one quick thing? Uh, <clears throat> enacting Section 3, Chapter 9.12 of the FNSB Code, it it's unconstitutional. It limits the right of the people to peaceably
8: assemble. You know, Frank Turney, 329, 6th I did wear my shirt tonight. <laughs> I am okay. And uh, thank God for cannabis. Uh, I feel good tonight. Uh, I've been smoking for probably 30, 40 years, so I enjoy the edibles. That's what I enjoy. As far as on-site uh, consumption of cannabis, why not? I find a lot of hypocrisy right here in Fairbanks lot? I'm a longtime court observer. The number one drug problem in Fairbanks is alcohol. Whether it be domestic violence, driving, assault, it's alcohol. And I really find hypocrisy. We have an on-site consumption of vodka distillery right here in Fairbanks. The old city hall. I never seen this world here raise any hell. I know the city authorized and passed it. I went in the other day just to check it out. I'm not a drinker of vodka, but I had to have that shot. I took a shot of vodka, and there's a whole line of of bottles up there of my choice that I wanted to buy. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever seen that? It's a vodka distillery in the old city hall. You would think of all the problems that we've had with that drug, that you'd think that they'd never authorize that here in Fairbanks, and I just wonder uh, just how much is that going to create a problem in Fairbanks in itself. I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Brandon Emmett uh, brought up the, some of the statistics that wasn't uh, any uh, retaliation as far as cannabis uh, driving. Uh, um, I would really appreciate if you do your homework and research and look at the impairment versus driving on cannabis versus alcohol. In fact, the first jury trial was in Denver, Colorado, where a woman got pulled over, and evidently she pulled her into a service station. The police officer could smell the presence of cannabis. He pulled her over, gave her a ticket for driving under the influence of cannabis. She asked for a jury trial. Guess what? They had some studies brought in there before the jury to find studies showing that the impairment of her driving on cannabis was nothing. She didn't She had no accident, she didn't have no violations, he just smoked over smell. They found her not guilty. That was the first case of medical cannabis in Colorado, someone being actually charged. But there are a lot of studies out there, myself personally, I drove for 20 years, I don't drive anymore, I smoked a lot. I was very cautious about what I was doing, And, and I rode and drove a lot of people driving on cannabis, and I'd be much safer with those people than I would sitting behind the wheel of someone who's up on alcohol, that's for sure. Anyway, I think I think maybe you guys ought to sit down and smoke a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the to get some you know, Lance Roberts. Who needs a smoke a bowl? <laughs> I didn't, join your, I didn't invite you unless I disliked
0: you in my house and we'll smoke a bowl. Anyway, I'm done. I'm going Okay, now what we're going to listen to is um, two alternative points and they are concerned about public safety. Um, American Lung Association and um, I, I think someone who was supporting uh, medical cannabis but was really concerned about on-site consumption so their hearts are in the right place but um, sometimes there are other ways to do things and then after those two public comments you will hear from a true libertarian he is not even a cannabis user he came to support freedom and liberty when liberty wins we all win When you fight for one cause, freedom, all of our causes are taken care of. Thank you for liberty.
9: I'm here tonight on behalf of the American Lung Association. We have three offices in Alaska One just a few blocks away where I work. And I'll read you the official statement from the American Lung Association. Since marijuana smoke harms lung health, the American Lung Association opposes the inhalation of smoke or aerosol of marijuana. The American Lung Association supports measures to require totally smoke-free environments, including marijuana. Secondhand marijuana smoke contains many of the same toxins and carcinogens found in directly inhaled marijuana smoke. Secondhand marijuana smoke impairs blood vessel function. Secondhand marijuana smoke has many of the same chemicals as smoke from tobacco, including those linked to lung cancer. People who are exposed to secondhand marijuana smoke can have detectable levels of THC in their blood and urine. The bottom line smoke is smoke. And my concern is for the employees, for the neighboring businesses, and there's no ventilation that is adequate for either cigarettes or marijuana or e-cigarettes or vaping. There's no ventilation that fixes the problem. So we wholeheartedly support this ordinance. Thank you.
2: Uh, just a minute about uh, myself. Um, growing up here in Fairbanks, um, spent a lot of time working at General <clears throat> Commissioner of Health for uh, many years, and um, voted for the initiative. Um, and I also was involved, I had a little time to think while I was waiting. Um, I worked very hard on the medical marijuana uh, issue, which was an initiative that was passed by the, by the public, and then the legislature implemented it, and I was commissioner of health at the time, and we did a really good job, I think, in um, getting Alaska um, into the medical marijuana um, program uh, pretty early on in, our, in, in the development of that issue. But right now, I'm uh, supporting this ban because I'm very, very concerned about the on-site consumption. Um, In my directed reading that I've done over the last few weeks, I think Alaska would become, be on track to be the most permissive place, certainly in the United States, perhaps uh, certainly in North America, um, perhaps across even in Europe. Regarding on-site consumption, with these, with where we're heading with the state marijuana board, Um, as we know, it's not allowed in Washington, Oregon, or uh, Colorado. It's virtually not allowed in North America. And um, in reading about Netherlands, um, while Amsterdam does have on-site consumption, um, the the government of the Netherlands passed the Weed Pass which I think bars foreigners from using those uh, coffee houses. And municipalities have the ability to do that, and many, many, many of them have done that. I'm not an expert on that, but I do ask you to, to look into that. I think that would be important to know. Uh, the Municipality of Anchorage uh, opposes this. They've written pretty extensive comments to the marijuana board. Um, but the thing is is that Anchorage and Juneau have no smoking ordinances. so. There is no, smoke, no public smoking in bars, restaurants, and many venues. We in Fairbanks do not have that, so we've had a voluntary approach to take it outside. Take it outside is not going to work for marijuana because you cannot smoke, you cannot consume marijuana in public. That's one of the initiatives, uh, one of the parameters. Um, so when this initiative were to, if this, um, these regs were to go into effect, in Anchorage, I'm having a hard time understanding how it would be legal to to smoke marijuana in in a club or a cafe or in Juneau. In fact, I've talked to municipal officials in both those places and they're not anticipating that would be legal. Um, The secondhand effects of uh, smoke are very real, both for tobacco and, um, you know, those of us who've been involved in public health have been working and conclude. Who've been working um, on secondhand smoke, you know, have been doing this for decades, and we don't like to see us rolling back and enhancing uh, indoor smoking uh, venues uh, the way that I think mixing tobacco and uh, marijuana would be. 50 years of uh, regulation of uh, alcohol and development, and it seems as though we're rushing into this in, in a few months. And I would just anticipate that you should delve more deeply into this and be very, very careful. I don't see why we want to be the first place in the North America or in many other places to have these uh, consumption sites.
10: First, let me start off by saying I don't have a dog in this fight, per se. I'm not a business owner. I have no interest <laughs> in that. I'm not a cannabis consumer. I haven't in all of my productive adult life. and. Uh, But what I do see here, and what my interest is, is from a libertarian perspective, that uh, adults in in a free society get to make their own decisions. I mean, they don't need a mom and a dad to to make those decisions for them. Now, I'll take uh, the ordinance itself and look from uh, line 22 through 27, where it talks about the intoxicating effects. And me, myself, I consume alcohol now and then. I have a beer or so. And my rule is, if I have one, I don't drive. Period. Designated drivers, some other means. Uh, So a person's faced with the same decision at one of these clubs. And let's say you don't have these clubs. Let's say a person's at home. They can consume it at home, and they're in exactly the same situation. If they decided to leave somewhere, they're forced with making a responsible decision. Um, And I noticed enthusiastically earlier that we were approving liquor licenses for various businesses that consume on site, and you can get exactly a very similar level of effects with. One or two Long Island iced teas that are served in every bar in town. So you know, it seems to be a disparity in the standards here. Now when you compare vices, which is really what we're talking about, let me give you some, some perspective on that from a guy named Lysander Schooner in an essay called Vices Are Not Crimes, A Vindication of Moral Liberty. A vices are those acts by which a man harms himself or his property. Crimes are those acts by which one man harms the person or property of another. Vices are simply errors which a man makes in his search after his own happiness. Unlike crimes, they imply no malice toward others and no interference with their persons or property. In vices, the very essence of crime, that is, the design to injure the person or property of another, is wanting. It's a maximum of the law that there can be no crime without a criminal intent, that is, without the intent to invade the person or property of another. But no one ever practices a vice with any such criminal intent. He practices his vice for his own happiness solely, and not from any malice towards others. Unless this clear distinction between vices and crimes be made and recognized by the laws, there can be on earth no such thing as individual right, liberty, or property. No such things as the right of one man to live in control of his own person and property, and the corresponding and co-equal rights of another man to the control of his own person and property. So on that note, there does seem to be a double standard here. You know, alcohol establishments are as frequent as the nearest street corner, yet marijuana use does not lead to violence, domestic abuse, overdose deaths, or sexual assault. It's time to stop punishing adults uh, who seem to be making a safer choice here. This uh, uh, ordinance appears inequitable and superstitious. Uh, All of my working life, it's been economically rewarding to, uh, you know, not consume marijuana, and I've made that choice but I'm not gonna take my values and force them on others through law. And I think it's really, would be wise. So, in closing, uh, I I predict through all of this, when it's all said and done, our largest future challenge will be dealing with the coming pizza shortage. (laughs) Thank you very
0: much. Okay, and now we assemble the rest of our can of warriors who took time out of their busy lives to come and be so brave to stand in front of the borough assembly and offer them advice on how to proceed in this new world. Thank you.
1: First, it is not very strange. Alaskans were already planning on having on-site consumption before any of the regulations even got going. If you heard people on the radio, if you saw comments when the board was first starting, A lot of people were already planning on that. So it's not strange, it's not out of the blue. It's what we had already thought should happen. And the board, luckily, realized that from all the comments they got from the people, that that is what the people wanted, that's what they were expecting. So it was good. It's not strange and out of the blue. It's good. I don't see how um, this would be any different from the alcohol thing. You were just talking about how we're trying to make this close as alcohol as we could, This is right in line with that. Alcohol has stores, alcohol has bars. I don't know why you would want to stop marijuana from having the same um, venues. Um, The on-site use venue should not be withheld from the people who choose to use marijuana. There is no compelling reason to ban on-site consumption. If anyone claims there is compelling reason to ban them, they need to back that up with The conjecture that there will be intoxicated drivers if on-site use is permitted is not a valid reason to ban them. There are so many other ways to leave a facility that do not include intoxicated driving. Shuttles, buses, taxis, walking, designated drivers, families and friends that will come and pick you up. I heard there was an idea to require a person to show how they are going to leave. Requiring an adult to file an exit plan to patronize a business is absurd. Plans change all the time. Mad at, If you get mad at your designated driver, maybe you want to go and have. Maybe you're going to take a taxi, but then a friend calls and says that they can come pick you up. Maybe your friend got called into work, so you could take a bus instead. Maybe it was raining when you arrived, but now it's nice, so you want to walk home. Are people forced to stick to their stated plan? That would be ridiculous. Life is fluid. Plans change. Therefore, stating you promise and intend to follow a plan you say when you arrive and enter the business is useless. If you are not required to follow it, you should not be required to state it. Out of the entire state of Alaska, Fairbanks was the most enthusiastic area to vote in ballot measure two. On-site consumption venues are looked forward to. To ban them in this area is to go against the people and what they expect and what they want. It would be to try and sabotage these businesses from reaching their full potential and serving the people to the best of their ability. Some people want the worst for these businesses because of personal beliefs. You should not ban on-site consumption for others that want it because you don't want on-site consumption because, of your, because you are against marijuana businesses. I have had a plan to have an on-site consumption site in my business the entire time. It will be fun, inviting, comfortable, and safe. We will promote responsible use and encourage good behavior so that people could see and have an uplifted opinion of the marijuana consumers.
11: This law was created to regulate uh, cannabis-like alcohol. Um, alcohol is allowed to be consumed in a public establishment medium. Um, people go through a lengthy process of licensing to be able to do that. Um, there are people there. Uh, I guess instead of it being an alcohol in a bar, be a bartender. Now you have a bud tender. Um, that person is responsible for helping um, you know, people who are unfamiliar with marijuana the first time they smoke to make sure that they don't overdo it or don't recognize the effects of. according to the Department of Commerce, um, we saw between October of 2014 and September of 2015 um, 2,070,000 visitors. um, Which is over two times our population. Um, And they spent 1.94 billion dollars in our state. uh, Which created 187 million dollars in revenue. Um, Currently the only legal place to consume is in a private residence. That would not allow any visitors to our state to be able to consume um, legally. You know, they would have to break the law in doing that. Um, I think Ms. Stivers talked about uh, um, an incident in Tannehill Lakes where a parent was, you know, talking about um, having a small marijuana smoke and they were concerned about their children. Um, That would be a lot less likely to happen if people weren't trying to find a discreet place to hide, you know, their activity. Um, if you had a public venue where people would gather and
3: you know meet each other and enjoy it themselves, you would be reducing
11: that risk greatly. Um, people are, you know, it's before it was legal here in the state; it was illegal, but that didn't stop people from still consuming and doing it. Um, I think that if we don't give people the opportunity to do that the way that we'd like them to in a safe way, it's just not going to happen. Um, I I think you were talking about uh, um, some studies that had shown that um, people are impaired while driving um, under the influence of marijuana. Um, The National Highway Safety and Transportation Administration uh, found this year that the results from their studies of over 3,000 incidents, that they found the difference to be so negligible that they couldn't report it. so it was kind of an interesting
1: finding. It's not the finding that they report, but that's is that was one. Yeah. Um, I agree with um, pretty much
10: what most of the previous people have said. Um, I think we need a place for
12: people to smoke safe, you know, in a safe place where, um, you know, consenting adults can go. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, people have is, you know, they can go to the bar after work, have a drink. And they're not drinking in front of their children, either. Um, you know, it gives you a place to to indulge, but also away from underage people. Um, I think the money from tourists would be a
13: great boon. And uh, I, I just would like to, to see the on-site consumption go through. I just wanted to testify against the ordinance uh, prohibiting on-site consumption. Uh, I've heard people uh, describe these type of business model as something new, but we've seen uh, the THC Higher Calling Club uh, operate in Fairbanks, and during the time that it operated, we had zero 911 calls to that residence. We had zero DUI accidents. We had zero DUI arrests. I checked with, with Chief Aragon. He confirmed all of that. Then I looked at the club that's been in operation even longer in Anchorage Um, And they've had the same statistics, zero DUIs, zero crashes, zero 911 calls. We have alcohol establishments where people are driving home and killing themselves and other people, shooting each other in the parking lot, but licenses are transferred and issued without scrutinizing them. But here, we want to make up problems that don't exist to try to oppose an industry that you don't think should have been in existence until you have evidence of people driving under the influence of marijuana and actually causing these accidents and these problems, we shouldn't create regulations to try to prevent it. You see, um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration did come to those conclusions that uh, marijuana was not a deciding factor in uh, crashes. Uh, We see the Colorado Department of Health and the Colorado Department of Justice all uh, reporting favorably for their industry. And then we see the Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Report, which Vivian Stiver provided you with today. He said it was the first piece of paper that you had seen. Now, that doesn't sound like you've done due diligence to study this issue and this industry before coming up with an ordinance to tie our hands behind our back. And so those are the reasons why I'm opposing the ban on on-site consumption. Yeah.
3: With all the pedestrians in Colorado and in Oregon, I've spent time in Portland walking around, millions of pedestrians and bicycle riders. Why do you think that neither Colorado nor Oregon, I guess, certainly Washington, have done on-site consumption?
13: Colorado has unregulated consumption venues similar to THC Higher Calling and similar to potluck events in Anchorage. And they've also had very little to no problems that I've heard of. Granted, I haven't done the research into those clubs to see if there have been DUI arrests. Is that a retail place or it, in a retail place? It's an unregulated club similar to THC Higher Calling where they don't sell cannabis, but people do consume it. They charge an admission fee probably do. I don't know how each individual business operates, but I know that they're not regulated by the state. Hmm. But, none of the, but they don't have retail sellers who also have on-site consumption? The city of Denver is talking about doing this. Um, Amsterdam does, and they have lower DUI rates than the entire U.S. Yeah, i spent time in Amsterdam, too. Thank you.
14: <laughs> One of the reasons that I would speak out against this is further going into this you know if you have a retail store if you have on-site consumption where you're going to a, another room there's there's different flavors there's different terpenes that come out in there to tell whether you would like it a small sample is way different than send down and and smoking a large amount of it but <clears throat> you go to Fred Meyer's, they hand out free samples you go to a wine tasting they hand out free samples you're tasting the wine before you buy it, right? You're tasting that cheese before you buy it. You go to buy a car, you test drive it. I don't right it? I don't what like it, so. gives the right to take that away from a person that's going to go spend a few hundred dollars to taste the new that's on the market? It has a different flavor, a different toothing to it. You know, <clears throat> I, I guess what I'm trying to get is it's a business that's more regulated than any other business. So where's this fear that tasting a little bit of it? And actually when I was here a couple weeks ago, somebody got up here and spoke and they said, well, you know the difference is is you can use alcohol in moderation, but you can't use marijuana in moderation. That's a crock. That is absolutely a lie. That's a farce. That's somebody that does not use it, does not understand it, and that's what's just coming out of their mind. That's like saying, well, you know, I can take the cap off a of beer and take one drink and I'm smashed. Well, if you take one little tiny puff off of it, oh, well, you're smashed. No, no, you're not. It's the same difference whether you drink one sip of beer or a whole bottle of Wild Turkey 101. It's the same difference whether you take one small puff to save it, see what the flavor and the aroma is versus sitting down and smoking a whole bag of it. You know, the the stores, <clears throat> the dispensaries should have on-site consumption. It's the more than that, the tourists that come in, they're going to want to flavor it and, and they're going to want to taste a different flavor. And if you have something that's new on the market, it's the way to taste it. Would you want to go spend $200 for something and then go home and realize, you know, hey, I don't like spinach, but I like Brussels sprouts. The Brussels sprouts were sitting there you could have tasted that one prior, you know. It's a right that everybody should have a right to, to, to know what it is before you pay for it. One two caveat on um, the
12: uh, National Highway Transportation uh, Security Administration uh, study that was mentioned earlier. Um, this study did, I um, know you guys have studies in front of you, and I, I know what those studies say about the, the prevalence of the kennedy system, uh, how it's increased over the uh, previous years. What um, that survey doesn't mention is, is down to very low. At the bottom, what a lot of the surveys will say is that a study we've done in 2015 called drug and alcohol crash risk. And what it says is that um, there is no significant increase in risk uh, for crash fatalities and culpability after controlling for age, gender race, and the presence of alcohol, especially the presence of alcohol. In fact, you take other drugs, um, I believe uh, what the study says is that um, we dealing with all these substances, Cannonball makes up about 28% of um, the, the fatal and crash uh, fatalities, um, but when you control for alcohol alone and other drugs, it drops down to 33%, 33% of that whole number. Um, so you control for all these other uh, um, demographics of like age and race, and uh, then, then it, it drops down to a statistically significant difference. So if we're making our is from a, a federal agency. Um, and then, like uh, Mr. Hammond said, most of what I, of what I took, you second, uh, When you couple out the what what should have logically been an increase in fatalities in Colorado after legalization, it just hasn't happened. So that means that logically, this isn't a founding argument right? that we're going to see this huge increase in DUIs and casualties. Obviously the deaths of the small soldier. Those. Um, and so this isn't based on scientific fact. And uh, completely failed um, signature drives to get you kicked know, out of the city. and the succeed in So it's not to the people, but to uh, do more harm to this industry. And I'm curious as to what is driving these folks, these, these detractors. Um, if it's not world the people, it's not based on scientific fact for public health, then I'm really curious as to what's driving these detractors from the industry. Thank you, members of the assembly, for
15: staying so late. I appreciate you hearing us out. Um, first, I would like. First, I'd like to address uh, on the ban. First, I'd like to address on the ban, uh, claiming that smoking will last thirty minutes or so. Uh, that's wrong. If I went and drank a beer at a bar, it would last an hour, that's, and we need to treat it similarly, I think. Uh, we will have designated drivers, just like a bar, so why would you hold it to a higher standard? Uh, I've been in the bar scene. I've, uh, I've watched lots of fights break out because people are intoxicated. People go to bars and go there and get intoxicated to uncontrollable limits to where they do things they regret the next day. Marijuana, you just go home and go to sleep. Take the cab there, do it safely. And and there's also people with families that, I know someone has already said this, but uh, they don't want to do it around their kids, so give them somewhere to go do it. Uh, It's not like people are going to go there and stay there all night getting as high as they can it's not like alcohol. They'll go there, sample it, go buy their bag, go home, and play video games. Um, I'd like to address the acts of violence with alcohol bars. Um, there was a shooting on uh, at the Rocking, Rocking Rodeo, uh, May seventeenth, two thousand fifteen. Uh, the guys got into a fight at the bar. And went outside and uh, another one shot another. And this is never going to happen in marijuana, uh, a marijuana establishment because uh, the acts of aggression are not the same. Well, there are no acts of aggression when you're smoking cannabis. Um, I've been a cannabis cup in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I've watched cops Sorry. sitting there doing nothing directing traffic because there was an influx of traffic. They were not arresting anyone. People were peaceful. Um, There was uh, there was consumption there. It was a big venue, and nobody, nothing ever happened of it. Uh, So I just don't understand what this ban is for entirely. What is name? What is name? Uh, We as a state uh, have rights. We uh, got away from England for a reason, and I feel that. uh, Right. Each state's independent rights are our values. Uh, If you don't like your values, go to another state. Um, And I applaud all of you that uh, have looked at this openly. And that's uh, all I've got for tonight, because it's getting late. I thank you for hearing me out.
16: I agree with most everything that's been said tonight, and uh, so as not to reiterate that. Um, I'd like to just point out a couple of facts about cannabis, which, again, I'm going to uh, encourage education because there's so much misunderstanding. First of all, cannabis is a very, very social experience. People like to be together and consume. It sparks conversation, creativity, awareness. It's a peaceful plant. People don't behave like drunk fools in bars do. They just don't. And I encourage you to to do some research because you'll find that it's a community of people. It's inclusive, not exclusive. Another thing I'd like to point out, this is in regards to the lung and health issue. Our bodies have an innate system in them called the, the endocannabinoid system. We have receptors in our body that bind to the cannabinoids or cannabinoids, depending on which side of the fence from, um, that heal, that heal our bodies. This is important because while we're talking about the social piece of this and the consumption, we have to also look at the health of it. And you might think, well, we need ventilation, we need this, we need that. We do. The third part, cannabis tourism. It's real, it's here, and it's big. We all know that tourism is what this state really lives on these days, thanks to the failing price of oil. This, we have people coming in on boats, on buses, on planes, on in cars, and people will want to taste the legacy of Alaska's bud. They just will. What are we going to do? Send them out to, to to break the law because they have nowhere to consume? They can't take it back on a boat. They're not supposed to smoke in hotels. But if we have safe, regulated, peaceful places for people to consume, then it's a win-win. That's all I have to say. I'm here
14: to speak um, against the prohibition in favor of the clubs um, because uh, it is a safer alternative to alcohol uh, for um Uh, social, uh, as a a social activity and um, because uh, I I feel it could be, um, this could be a really big boon to our tourism industry, assuming we don't um, send people home with stories of um, public, thousand dollar public, public consumption tickets and um, big surcharges on their hotel rooms. Burbex has been rather receptive to this new cannabis industry.
17: The friendly and expeditious borough has been has implemented zoning regulations in a timely fashion. The planning department has been helpful with licensees and applicants filing permits. It is something to be truly proud of. As the borough has been pioneering this new industry in the state, I think it's reasonable that we can also pioneer the idea of on-site consumption as well. These on-site consumption venues will be another establishment that will create additional jobs, provide a service for tourists who cannot take their cannabis that they purchased to a, a private residence to consume it, and it will also create a sense of community and a place to meet others, similarly to bars and restaurants and coffee shops. People that are like-minded for the same thing can come together and share ideas. In regards to looking at your whereass on this, where you describe the intoxicating effects, it appears that these same side effects also affect an individual who has consumed alcohol and therefore, by this reasoning, this ordinance should include alcoholic beverage consumption venues as well. However, when approached by Assemblyman Quist, it was apparent that no one was interested in co-sponsoring such an ordinance Tad hypocritical in the face of public safety, right? This substance is objectively safer than alcohol, and we should treat it similarly thus. Why can't individuals consume on-site and then take a taxi home as individuals who go to the bar do? I know you've claimed that you'll be immediately intoxicated from being in the venue. But that is false as well. <clears throat> These locations will be well-ventilated. I mean, I've been in potluck events in Anchorage, and, and uh, I've had friends there, and I remain the sober individual. You're around the crowd of people, and that place is not the most well-ventilated, <laughs> to be honest, and I remain sober, you know? Being a DD isn't always the most fun thing to do, but it's about <laughs> being responsible. And we expect individual alcohol consumers to be responsible for themselves. and Individuals that consume cannabis should be responsible for themselves as well. It shouldn't be based on us enforcing those rules. It's also true that the Marijuana Control Board hasn't finalized all their regulations related to the on-site consumption yet. And I think that at a minimum this ordinance should wait until after the state has finalized their regulations um, if you do not outright defeat this ordinance immediately. Um, So pointing out to the fact that other individuals have mentioned aggression and the opposite of aggression. There's a recent study that just came out as well proving that the whole sober or the whole stoner laid back mentality isn't just an idea, it's an actual fact. It's proven that you're going to be more aggressive if you consume alcohol and that's why fights break out or bar fights is a common term, while if you have on-site consumption venues or somebody actually consumes cannabis, they are far less aggressive than they are in their sober state. So you're actually going to create less violence, as in there's less domestic violence as well in these locations that have legalized.
16: I am just here uh, to show
18: support for on-site consumption. And that's it. No, it's short, so we appreciate Any
10: questions?
18: Talk a little bit about public testimony. Um, over the course of time here, that since we've legalized marijuana in Alaska, the most frequent item commented at the state level has been having on-site consumption. It's come up over and over and over again at the state level, and I believe it's also come up at, before this board uh, at numerous different things where we were talking about something completely different, like zoning, on-site consumption has come up where people started talking about that, because it's something that the people want. Um, Cannabis consumers should have the same rights and responsibilities as consumers of alcohol. Personal opinions of morality and objection to the product of cannabis as a whole is not a reason to turn consumers of cannabis into second-class citizens that must go hide in their homes to consume product that people have voted to legalize. The state took months of testimony which led to Marijuana Control Board to create the consumption endorsement. Our borough could negate that because of fear of the unknown and outright objection from a few members of the board that have tried to undermine the industry at every turn based on personal objections and morality. This board also unanimously approved every alcohol license tonight, most of which feature on-site consumption. As a business owner, I intend to follow the same guidelines that any of those alcohol establishments would have uh, as an owner of a bar to not over-serve and have safe options for patrons to get home without driving such as designated driver programs, convenient taxi service, just like any other alcohol business.
6: I'm currently an owner of a hydroponic store, one of three in town. It's called Go Bro, and I've been on the marijuana path for about a year and a half. um, Between Fairbanks and Homer, I've done lots of driving, lots of connections, and I feel that on-site consumption is positive for Alaska, or Fairbanks area, because also I uh, currently am an owner of a bar on site and off site premises. Uh, those stores are Gold Star cake King, King, and they uh, they sell quite a bit of booze to rural, to
3: stamping villages. Uh, I'm part owner of a bar
6: called Club Soda. And, uh, I've seen that side of the industry, and I want to help the cannabis industry go with it. And uh, I think. I think manufacturing and and creating the product should be in one business. Dispensing is like a liquor store. You go in, you go out with products. It's not meant to be on site. I think that um, lounges are a huge pro
3: in this town. You you don't go there to buy, you you consume on
6: site. You don't consume an equal product. I think that, uh, that that could be important. I don't plan on going to a dispensary and buying and sitting there and smoking my product there. And being that. But If I bought product and uh, want to watch some football games with some friends, that's what I do. I go to a store, I buy it, and I go and watch football. I want to go play card games and decks of cards or shaped dice and, and talk to friends, I go to a lounge. Um, you, know, you could uh, do single hits and just dodge. I think that you were talking about smoking and edibles. Uh, I would think that you can get more intoxicated on edibles than you can smoking faster. and then, uh, Say you uh, your body takes half an hour to digest your pot. Well, you keep eating, you keep eating, and you know you, know, you can eat way more than you can smoke in way shorter times. So um, I'm smoking in the air. I'm concerned about employees. I have employees that pour beer, and I don't like them to in, you know drink while on the job. But uh, in this industry, 21 and up is uh, 21 and up. you're an adult, if you work at this particular place, you're probably proactive in the industry. So, um, I work there, I consume. You know, and I, I would predict 90% of the people that do work in these establishments would consume. So, you're, you're talking about one out of ten people maybe that um, would be in a situation that they might feel uncomfortable, but they can always switch their, their jobs. I've switched my jobs from... Construction. I was a pipe fitter once upon a time. I was a bar owner once upon a time and still am. So, you know, you can switch your career anytime. Uh, A number of points have
19: been brought up already, which I don't want to repeat. Uh, I'd like to emphasize, though, that the state is facing a physical (coughs) catastrophe. Uh, With the reduction in oil prices, tourism has now become our second or third largest industry. And cannabis tourism is uh, certainly a thing, it's here, and it's uh, also the case in Colorado and Washington. Uh, The obvious fiscal vitality of this is is imperative. Uh, It's important as well to keep tourists and other people off the streets when they're consuming cannabis and uh, providing safe places to do that is necessary. Uh, I'd like to address the secondhand smoke issue. Of course, uh, no one wants to have uh, smoke coming into their place of residence or you know, their personal lives. Um, however, I find it hypocritical to allow tobacco in uh, places on site when tobacco is, according to the U.S. Surgeon General, responsible for 350,000 or so American deaths annually. And in the 3,000-year-old uh, history of Human consumption of cannabis. Uh, not a single death has been attributed to cannabis toxicity. Um, and something else to note uh, you can hunt with tobacco for the survivalists. You can boil it down and put it on a uh, blowgun and stop a monkey's heart, as human beings have in Central and South America for millennia. Uh, you can also use it as a pesticide. You can clean your plants with it, it kills insects, it's a poison. Uh, The FBI's black books of improvised munitions uh, cited as a way to commit suicide if you were uh, a POW and you have sensitive information. Uh, If you were to try any of those things with cannabis, you would fail. In countries other than the Netherlands, uh, which have on-site cannabis consumption, Spain, Portugal, the Czech Republic, uh, they've also reported next to no issues with driving and aggression. Um, I'd also like to express my extreme unction at the tone of some of the resistance to this. Uh, For example, uh, Harry Anslinger, uh, in the 50s, he said that his resistance to cannabis was to quote, because it makes black people think they're as good as white people. Uh, I see no More important reason to make it available to human beings. And the term marijuana is, of course, designed to associate it with the soldiers of Santa Ana. And I find a certain racist tone to the resistance to this, in particular the term ghettoization, which has nothing to do with reality. Uh, Another thing, as a media professional, I'd like to point out that Andy Griffith is not actually a documentary, it's (laughs) fiction.
0: Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud. Search Mid Toker. See you.